y'all. Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast. I am Money, the fastest fingers at the fair. Wow. That is lewd. <laughs> and not. I am, I don't know who I am. Uh, I am Todd-ass Nikita. <laughs> like tired? You tired. still tired? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I was wore out My after body that was hurt. It was oh. hurting. Yeah. All right, y'all. So we're just going to get on into the intro. And give y'all the episode you've been waiting for. We're going to give you the episode that you've been waiting for on this bi-weekly insurgent audio syllabus. You didn't say that. Oh. Dang, I am tired. (laughs) All right, drop the intro. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your glow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you to jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sis, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You're amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration, and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love. I hope you hear that on a daily, cause baby, you love, you love, you love. All right, Nikita, um, I'm feeling a little rusty. <laughs> wow, money. <laughs> okay, where can folks find us, Nikita? So, people can find us on all the social media things. So, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter, where our handle is at Queer Walk Pod, that's P O D. You can also find us on the Book of Faces, also known as Facebook. And you can find us there, Facebook.com slash Queer Walk P O D. And you can find us where it all began, which is on Tumblr, which is QueerWalk.com. And where can folks listen? They can listen to us on Pocket Cast, Castbox, Stitcher. SoundCloud, and you know the others, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> the larger, un- uh, no need to mention. Exactly. Yeah. So, Money, I have just told folks where they can listen to mm-hmm. this illustrious, insurgent, bi-weekly audio syllabus and where they can find us. But once they find us, Money, mm-hmm. how can they contribute to this here Queer Walk community? I am glad you asked, Nikita. Well, um, now that y'all are already here, there are two ways that you can make sure that this podcast continues um, and that we are able to give you this bomb-ass content every other week. The first way, you're kind of engaging in right now by listening, um, but love us out loud through doing the R's. Uh, You can rate Review. Oh, we are at three hundred, uh, two hundred and forty-eight ratings on, on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we only need two more to be at two fifty. Two fifty. So two of y'all could change that right now. Right now. Or if you're not listening on the podcast app, whatever app you use to listen, go ahead and hit the heart, the star, the check, the thumbs up, whatever that platform uses. We would really appreciate it. Uh, leave us a review. Send us a topic request, uh, repost the episode, let folks know you're listening, why you're listening, you know. Retweet us and reply. Let us know what you think about the episodes. Use the hashtag QueerWOC 
or QueerWOCPOD, hashtag QueerWalkPod, to talk all things the podcast. Um, So that's one way, and that takes no coin, no extra effort. Y'all are already listening. We thank you. But the second way is if you want to go above and beyond and become a monetary supporter of this here program, because doing a podcast ain't free. You can do that one of two ways. The first way is a non-committal way over on the Cash App. You can just slide through with as much or as little as you can at dollar sign Queer Walk Pod. That's P-O-D. Or if you would like to do a monthly contribution and become a sustainer of this here program, Nikita is doing hand gestures. (laughs) (laughs) And it's distracting. But (laughs) what's your hand gesture for sustainer, Nikita? I can't describe it. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to become a monthly sustainer, head on over to the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, P-O-D. There you'll get some exclusive uh, queerwalk perks. Um, I hope you all over on the, uh, who are already patrons are enjoying my bomb ass playlists. Um, and we're working on bringing y'all some more content over on the Patreon side and you can contribute as much or as little as you want, but it is just a monthly way to support us monetarily. You can, in terms of the, you know, requesting a topic, you can send us an email or submit your Curved Chronicle to us. What is a Curved Chronicle? I'm so glad I asked myself. It is (laughs) when you share your dating woe or when. And you can just shoot that right onto our Gmail, which is QueerWalkPOD, so QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. So you can either share your dating woe or when, or... Ask us a dating question. Yeah, your other ideas for other topics. Mm -hmm. You know, like I always say, you know, if you don't want to be constrained by a character limit, you want to send us something a little bit more personal, a little bit more private. Oh, my gosh. You can shoot that right onto our Gmail. All right, Nikita, you want to move it on along to the Queer Pock, Queer Pock, Queer Pock of the Week segment? I do. Well... First, can you let folks know what the Queer Pock of the Week segment is? So the Queer Pock of the Week is a segment where we highlight and amplify and celebrate a queer and trans person of color who's just doing the damn thing, doing something amazing and groundbreaking and just an all-around general badass. Pretty much. Uh, And this person that we're celebrating for today's episode is no exception to that. Just an all-around badass. Uh, today's Queer Pock of the Week is Bronx native and all-around baddie, India Moore. Ooh. I know. I was kind of surprised that we hadn't already done India, but, um, because it was a while that I was just, like, really on a Pose wave, and we did a lot of the folks from Pose, but... So, for those of y'all who don't know about India, first of all, welcome to 2019. Um, (laughs) uh, And you might uh, be familiar with them from their portrayal of Angel Evangelista on the hit show Post. Um, So, I'm just going to tell us a little bit more about India and why we chose them as uh, Queer Pock of the Week this Mm -hmm. week. Um, So, India is a Bronx native. 24 years old, model, actress, uh, social justice activist, all the things. They are the founder of Beetle Fruit Media, uh, which is a production company focused on storytelling and like 
a lot of different mediums. So like radio, television, film, print. India has appeared in Vogue, Elle, and Out magazine, as well as has modeled for like GQ, Gucci, Christian Dior. And these are just in print. Because I know that they've walked for like other big fashion houses too, but these are just the ones I can find in print, you know. Time Magazine named them one of the 100 most influential people in the world for 2019. You know how they do that list? Well deserved. Of course. And I'm just thinking like at 24. When you said that they were 24, I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Nothing. That's how I'm feeling. Nothing. And I I think I didn't realize that they were so young. Neither did I. I was like at least 30. Yeah. To to have accomplished all of this, I was thinking at least 30. that is no, amazing. They're 24. Uh, so they also, I think I think what more so today, why I was like, we got to make India Queer Pac of the Week, is that they use their um, like platform as a celebrity to further and amplify social justice movements. Yeah. So um, a few ways that they've done that, and then I'm going to get into the most recent one. Uh, so at a protest... Um, earlier this year during Pride Month, it was a, a protest demanding justice for trans women of color who had been murdered in New York City. Um, India gave a really emotional uh, speech in which she named uh, and honored each of the trans women who had been murdered to date then, but also talked about their lives. Because I think a lot of times like that gets lost Yeah, when... Um, when folks are talking about, like, their murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought that they did... Again, it was really emotional. I know it's on Democracy Now's uh, YouTube page if anybody wants to watch it. I think it's so important to not just know, like, like folks' uh, death stories, but also their life now. Their life, yeah. Yeah. India has uh, organized and tweeted about everything from um, trans rights to immigration issues. Um, they've really been... Learning in public yep, and yep. doing like intersectional feminist activism in public. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just so inspiring, but also necessary. necessary yeah, yeah, because like people, I think when people get um, recognized for their activism, it's usually when they're at some level of what people would call like arriveness mm-hmm. like like they're already quote unquote done yeah but the fact that like we've watched india grow in public mm-hmm. feels like so important right. and like oh i could do this too right because you know they used to be here and now they're here right and absolutely that just feels like oh inspiring it's inspiring uh, and so most recently at New York Fashion Week, um, so so all these reasons alone would make India Queer Pac of the Week. But recently, I think it was last week, yeah. right? India honored and tributed the 17 trans women of color who have been murdered this year in um, their New York Fashion Week look. So they had these long earrings on. Um, and I'll post a link to the picture for those of y'all who haven't seen it. So on each earring was eight, um, so totaling 16 uh, trans women who were murdered. And on their clutch was um, the 17th mm. uh, trans woman who had been murdered. And so I wanted to read this quote that um, India said while they were walking the carpet about um, the murders of trans women of color in this country. And so they said, the issues is so pressing that after Ariel Yusufa, who is the designer who did the earrings in the clutch, designed and created the earrings, and three days before the event, Bailey Reeves, a 17-year-old girl from Baltimore, was killed. For her, I carried a framed clutch around with her face. So um, I wanted to read that quote because it's like, 
they had already planned this look. Like, they were going to tribute trans women of color who had been murdered in this way. But it is... It is such a a state of emergency for trans women of color that before New York Fashion Week could even happen, there was another trans right. woman of color murder, yeah. a trans girl, 17, yeah. um, and they had to like alter the look yeah. to add her to it. And so the um so India ended up carrying the clutch. And that that's just heartbreaking because it's like, okay, you already did the earrings and it's already like striking yeah. in that way. But then to know, oh, we got to go back and add right, something right, right. else because there's another one. Um, and so the designer, um, Yusufal, said of India, in their hour of celebration, they put their trans sisters in the forefront. They spoke for those who cannot and became a light for everyone. And I, I think that speaks to all of India's work. But it it should also inspire all of us to be doing the same thing. Absolutely. Um, it's just, you know, it's heartbreaking every year that, you know, it's like 16, 17 as the number yeah. climbs. Um, but the things that we can do to make an impact do work, whether it's raising awareness, checking in on trans women of color that we know and love, checking violent ass motherfuckers who try to come for them. Like all of these things make an impact in society and India is doing all and more of those things. Absolutely. We just wanted to celebrate you, India. We love you with your fine ass. And um, yes, keep fucking it up for us on social media and on Pose because uh, sometimes I'll be frustrated with Angel, but (laughs) I love Angel. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Money for uh, doing this wonderful um, Queer Pack of the Week. And also, just like you said, I just want to really reiterate and underscore the thank you, the thanks and gratitude uh, for India and for all mm-hmm. the work that they're doing. Yeah. Damn, just make you proud of the younger generation, don't I was going to say, the kids are all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so you know I'm, like, back hype on the um, Cardi B-inspired community contributors jingle because I just saw her in concert. Last night? Yeah. Yeah, here in Syracuse. We need them dollars. I said I like it like that. Become a patron tomorrow. I said I like it like that. Get a shout out on Queer Watch. I said I like it like that. Community yeah, event. I hot. said I like it like that. Yeah, shout well, out I to Bell I wasn't Police. ready. Okay. Yeah. You were ready. You had me. I, I mean, I had you. Because, yeah. You know, that's my job. <laughs> okay, Nikita. So what is the community contributor segment? So just as the title suggests, this is the segment of our show where we we highlight, celebrate, and amplify you all because, as I always say, Money and I are the co-hosts, but we wouldn't be able to do this if you all didn't care or if you all weren't engaged, if we yeah. didn't have a community. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is just a section where we shout out and give the roses and the flowers to you all in the community because, again, if it wasn't for you all, then we really wouldn't have a reason to do this. This is true. I mean, we could do this in Money's living room by ourselves, but that would be kind of weird. Devoid of community? No. Yeah. We couldn't do that. We could. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to start out with shouting out the new patrons. So huge thank you and welcome to Hannah, AJ, and Noel, who became new patrons. And also a shout out to Hector, who edited their pledge. So thank you so much. Thank you. So on the Cash App, the homie queen of Tea with Queen and Jay. And Ms. Vixen. And Ms. Vixen. Yes. 
Oh, yeah. and Miss Vixen podcast. Oh not not just the, yes. um, wow. the digital media yeah. magazine, but also the podcast. Ooh, girl, how you sleeping? <laughs> she don't. She don't. Queen is a robot. I'm just waiting yeah. for the day where I see her recharging. Yeah. Um, it, all, it all makes sense. <laughs> like, ah, okay. <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> So, Queen and Alex came through on the Cash App. Thank so, y'all thanks, so y'all. Oh, I want to do the small town shout outs too. Well, go ahead. You're on a roll. All right. So, for those of y'all who this might be your first um, episode of Queer Walk, what we love to do over here is shout out the smaller or maybe like not as well known yeah. cities that pop up in our top 10 um, listen listenerships. Because we know that there are like vibrant and bustling uh, queer pop communities in larger cities. Um, and so we always like to shout out the places that aren't those larger cities. Yep. So this week in our top 10, East Lansing, Michigan. I feel like Lansing is the capital. I don't feel like that's. Mm. Well, I've never heard of it. So, so basically, <laughs> this is really what. If it's not, if money doesn't know it, then you're a, your city is nothing and you're a nobody. That's really that's really what we should start calling this segment. That's, no, it's not. Okay, so East Lansing. Is it really the capital of Michigan? Yeah. How did I not know that? Why would you? I thought Detroit was the capital. Yes, for, um, for all intents and purposes. It might as well be, right? Oh. Anyway, so East Lansing. So East, shout out to East Lansing, nonetheless. And if y'all are the capital, I feel like I can't go to Michigan. No more. <laughs> Valdosta, Georgia. Hey, Valdosta. No, no. And Everett, Washington. Wow. Is just, that the capital too? You about to go? <laughs> no, I'm just going to say, just when you think uh, the uh, Pacific Northwest couldn't be any wider, they have a town named Everett. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to trash uh, the name of your city, but we do thank you. Wow, so we're not going to be able to go to Michigan, Everett, Mesa, Arizona. We're really starting to limit our options. We are. <laughs> So, thank y'all for listening. I'm going to say, nonetheless, <laughs> just because we lack in geographical knowledge does mean that we lack in our gratitude for you all listening wherever you are. We love y'all, East Lansing, Valdosta, and Everett, and thank you for being in our top 10 cities Absolutely. for listenership. Alrighty. <laughs> okay, Nikita. Yes, that's me. So, we did... Bitch, we did it. A weekend. A weekend. We did an upstate escape. Yeah. Like a retreat mm-hmm. for queer folks of color. We did. In Syracuse. We did that. The New York. That's right. We did it. Those are facts. <laughs> Everything you're saying is 100% true. Okay, I feel like I just got caught back up on my sleep. Same. From that weekend. You know, I, it's not that I was doing anything lewd or disgusting, but my thighs were in so much pain. <laughs> Why was your thighs hurting so much? Because I was going up and down a whole bunch of stairs. I was mm. doing a lot of lifting, carrying. Yeah. You know, I had, so just for like um, giggles, I had a pedometer for the weekend. Yeah. And my pedometer said that I personally walked like 26 miles that, sounds that about weekend. Right. Yeah. And so I'm thinking you had to walk more because yeah. you were like carrying in groceries and stuff. Yeah. So because money makes me do all the, the manual labor. And you make me do That's all true. of the <laughs> household domestic labor. Wow. So that is because not you're true. femphobic. Wow. <laughs> no. I categorically reject that. I'm not gonna get that. You know what? It doesn't matter because I'm editing, I'm just gonna take that out. <laughs> No, you're not. Yeah. So, yeah, we did a lot that weekend. Um, And 
And we would not have been able to do any of it without community. Yeah, and we're so, gonna we're gonna do a recap. We're gonna get into that. Yeah, later. we're gonna get into it um, in the top episode. But for right now, like Money just said, it, we really could have not done this uh, without some of our. What's the um, nonprofit lingo? Without some of our community partners, <laughs> ain't that what they be saying? Sure. All right, so I'm gonna start. Okay, or I I did all of the other community contributors. So if you want to shout out everybody who yes. helped make the Upstate Escape possible, I'm cool with that. Okay, so um, this is in no particular order. I tried to do an alphabetical order, but money came into the document and ruined and totally threw off the alphabetized order. We will forgive her for that. Anyway, so special shout out and thanks to um, our friends at Black Q's Pride, Bonnie Schultz, and fucking Cafe Sankofa. Cafe Sankofa, the real MVP. Of the the real MVP. Thank you so much. Shout out to Sal Curran and Fabula Ortiz Valdez. You know, we're being very official. <laughs> and shout hey, out to Daddy. the baby, Silvio, for coming through. Silvio was, <laughs> Silvio was best dressed at every event. At every event, right. <laughs> Um, shout out to Connect Family Therapy Services and CFAC, also known as Community Folk Art Center. The homies, our gay uncles at Friends of Dorothy House, yes. Michael and Nick. <laughs> and shout out to the LGBT Resource Center at Syracuse University. Yes. Syracuse Culture Workers came through with some nice free merch. Yes. The Syracuse Peace Council, Volunteer Lawyers Project, Jim Williams, and CNY Solidarity Coalition. And... I- Sorry, we didn't put them on the uh, list, but Habiba made that good Oh, ass my gosh. That, Habiba. So, we didn't have an Ethiopian restaurant in Syracuse until Habiba's opened up. And this spot is jumping. The food is amazing. Popping. Habiba yeah. is um, amazing. She even threw in some extra food that we didn't even order. Yeah. That, that's, just a, that's just her commitment to community. So, yes, shout yeah. out to Habiba for yeah, that wonderful last We, we really can't thank you enough. Like, yeah. We were try- in trying to figure out food for the weekend. That was like the biggest fear, right? Yeah, and worry. Yeah. And she was like, I got y'all. Right. So thank so, you, Habiba. Yeah. And if you're ever in the Syracuse area, go definitely there. check out go Habiba's there. Ethiopian you Kitchen. Got, you got to go early, though, because for real, they, they, be, really, sold they be sold out. <laughs> but just, you, you think you're getting some gold. <laughs> you getting nothing. <laughs> Anyway, just, we really, like, we're not exaggerating. We're not saying it just to be polite, but we really would not have been able to do the weekend had it not been uh, for these uh, organizations and these individuals. And the reason um, why we do the small town shout-outs is because we live in a small town, right? And so one of the benefits of having a very tight, close-knit community is that, like, when it's time for people to, like, step up and support... They show up. You know, you can do that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, not to say that... Um, I mean, I haven't lived in a big city, but I imagine it's, like, it would be a little bit more difficult to yeah. do that. But it's, like, when you're in a small town and you have these kind of... Um, you know, these relationships, and it's just easy to, like, get things together, like, real quick. Yeah. So we, we really would not have been able to do this yeah. um, without, well, without these individuals and these organizations. Truly. I mean, um, I think it was special to me because these these organizations also make it easier to just like survive here in Syracuse. Absolutely. Like it's really it's a it's a hard place to live, not just because of the weather, but also because yeah. of like isolation, da da da, all that stuff, right? And um and so it just really it made me kind of emotional that these places that have given me so much support yeah. to live here also contributed to something that we was trying to do. It was so, so funny because when we were reaching out to them, like the same kind of thing that we kept hearing is, oh my God, how come nobody did this sooner? Yeah. This is so great. 
right? And for yeah. even for some people who was like organizations weren't sure, they were like, I'm going to like fight tooth and nail to make sure our organization yeah. supports this. So yeah. that just, it just, it absolutely does mean so much. And we, uh, we really, really, really do sincerely appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Do we want to move it on along to our reviews, Money? Okay. So we have three new reviews. I'm going to do the first two. The first one is titled Favorite Podcast Five Stars by The Slow Millennial. (laughs) Same. So the review reads, love this podcast fun, relatable, and connective. Really needed more of this true vulnerability in all these necessary conversations. Oh. Thank you, Slow Millennial. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. Fun and connective. Yeah. I like that. I think that too. You need to put that on the shirt. Connective. We, you know, we really should like be tracking all of these uh, adjectives that yeah, people use. They're yeah. so good. They're so sharp. Okay. The next review comes from Bong Emufundo. Bong Emufundo. That sounds right. Okay. And it's entitled, Love This! Four exclamation points, five stars. Thank you for existing and putting love into this podcast. A Zimbabwean queer poc living in the U.S. loves and supports you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. And so I'm going to read the last review from Black Femme Baddie. And Black Femme Baddie, five stars, says, I came across this podcast in my last year of undergrad and have listened to it at multiple times a week since. The mental moment with money has inspired me to think more about being a therapist. In parentheses, it's hard out here trying to find black queer therapists. I roll emoji. It so is. Um, and uh, money has convinced me to go uh, back to therapy. Yeah, That's so good. You get a therapy. You get a therapy. <laughs> Shut up. During the word, Nikita has broken down justice-oriented topics in ways that have helped me in work, class, and just about everywhere else. <laughs> Listening to the show reminds me that black communism slash leftist analysis is not new, especially among queer black women. That's right. It's a liberatory tradition that I'm happy to be a part of. Love this podcast and the joy you two bring to the conversations you have. That is such an excellent review. It is. Oh my gosh. That is that that is really heartwarming. Nikita, we have to continue this podcast. Was there any doubt? <laughs> I, mean, I, I never know when you're gonna get rid of me. I feel like I'm a moment away from walking into Money's house and her passing me a pink slip at any moment. She just be getting on my nerves, y'all. I feel like I'm gonna come in here and she's gonna be recording with somebody else. And I'm gonna be like, Oh, my time here is done. Okay, thank you. Where else am I gonna find? A black, leftist, queer, commie, bestie. When you're mistreating me, I want you to remember that, okay? okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, thank you to Black Fan Batty, Bangi Mafundo, and the Slow Millennial for these wonderful, loving, and heartwarming reviews. Yes. I was just telling Money that, like, I'm sorry, I'm I'm actually, the reason why I get on Money's nerves and the rest of the people in my life's nerves is because I'm a total drama queen. And so what I've been telling Money <laughs> is that I'm, I feel like a nothing, a nobody. I feel very empty. Like, I just feel like I haven't had any, like, sharp, good thoughts. The juices in my brain aren't flowing. So that's why I don't have, I haven't had jingles and I feel like I've been, like, you know, scrambling for the word, but... I feel like my juices are starting to percolate again, so I think I'm going to be back in action soon. Okay. Now, I don't want you to ever feel like that. I mean, I love you even if you're not a genius. <laughs> wow. No, 
I meant I meant that in a oh. sweet way. Oh, okay. I never know with you. Anyway, <laughs> I don't just love you for your brain, girl. <laughs> my my has a very terrible terrible habit of talking to me like a fuckboy, but that's for another. Um, you know, I love you, Nikita. <laughs> That's how she be doing me in private. But anyway, we are off task, and I'm going to get us back on task because we are moving on to my personal favorite segment on the whole entire show, which is the, of course, alliterative mental moment with money. So the mental moment with money is, again, my personal favorite segment, and it's just a segment where money offers us a wide-ranging uh, meandering through the ins and the outs of the mental health uh, field and world. It was so funny because during the Upstate Escape, we were just chit-chatting with Queen, and Money was like, uh, and Queen was like, you know, Money's mental moment always has a list, alliteration, or an acronym. And I was like, and I laughed so hard because I was like, that's fucking right. So what list? Y'all don't know me. Yes, what list? Alliteration or ac- acronym do you have for us today? I don't have any of the above. You have a list. I have a list. I see a number. <laughs> Three things. It's not numbered. <laughs> I, re- I refused to number it. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> You're really showing up there. <laughs> <laughs> this is my act of defiance. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so what are you going to regale us with today, money? Y'all know I do love alliteration, a list, and acronym. <laughs> And I tried not to do none of the above, but I can't help it. It's just the way I remember shit. Um, so today for my mental moment, okay, I have to say like what what prompted this mental mm-hmm. moment. So chilling with everybody at the Upstate Escape. Why are you shaking your go head? Go ahead, go ahead. Chilling with everybody at the Upstate Escape. I just felt so. Um, Moved is the only word I can think of in, like, remembering what, like, fun, easy, um, healthy, healthy friendships feel like. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I say healthy, I'm not saying, like, friendship isn't work for, because it is. I think friendship is a verb, right? But, but that it's not um, a draining work for. It's like a, a effort. Like, like you just yeah, something yeah, yeah, that you yeah, want to yeah. do. And that everybody is taking the time out to, like, improve and better themselves, yeah, like, personally. Absolutely. So, like, to be a better person to be in a friendship with. Yeah. And so that whole weekend, I was just, like, so swallowed in that. You know, like, everybody yeah. who is, like, on this journey of, like, self-betterment and then also wanting to love up on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just made me emotional. Aww. And so. That's it. That's, yeah, that's a better <laughs> Telling them what actually happened. Actually, money proposed an actually a terrible idea for the mental moment with money, and I summarily trashed it. And I was like, maybe you should talk about friendships. And she's like, that's a good idea. That's not what happened. More or less, money. That's kind of what happened. That is not what happened. <laughs> yeah. And also, pro- what's prompting this is that I'm probably gonna end this <laughs> friendship with Nikita, this little bully. <laughs> no, See, no, y'all no. think oh, Nikita's so smart. Nikita's so thoughtful. Oh my God, Nikita's just like a really awesome person. Like a non-toxic masculine person. No, Nikita is annoying. Yeah, that's not toxic. She's that's a little annoying. brat. She's a bully. I, I accept and two she of the three of those terms. to conform to oh. my... Yeah. My dress code standards of this friendship, okay? Wow. She's basically saying that I'm a whack, raggedy slob. <laughs> Understood. Understood, man. Y'all, Nikita showed up. Okay. 
right. She got my this car. This is a yesterday. breach of confidentiality. <laughs> Dressed like <laughs> a MAGA supporter, okay? <laughs> she had on a camouflage hat, y'all. <laughs> and work pants. I only wear the hat. I only wear the hat um, in the privacy of my own home now. I was it's doing. not true. You wore it outside yesterday. Oh, right. I was trying to do something in my. Let's move on. So back to the mental moment with money. So if y'all can't tell, um, the mental moment this week is about friendship. And I specifically want to talk about like how to recognize when a friendship may have ran its course and how to like end that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, not only is this inspired by really feeling good f- friendships um, in my life lately, but um, also by the work of a social worker named Deborah Dooley, who, like, studies friendship and healthy friendship and, like, what what relationships in our lives, like, actually, like, feed us. Um, and she's white, so her research is kind of white. Um, and I'm a, I'm gonna tell y'all a little bit about it. I'm gonna have my own caveats, but I think it is like helpful or a place to start thinking about friendships, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. All right, friends. How many of us have them? You could have, you could have gone so many friends, ways. My friends, ones you friends, can better, depend shut on. Shut up, Nikita. <laughs> What about your friends? <laughs> okay. You're just going to do, um, I thought you didn't have a jingle. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm just but a mere vessel and the spirit just has to work through me. Thank you for being a friend. Oh, oh, oh. So we started from the bottom. Now we're here, girl. <laughs> My friends, real friends, better than your friends. <laughs> okay. Closer than Ken. We don't, we don't yeah. even got a pretend. Yeah. I don't even okay. know what song that is. Beyonce? I don't know that. Okay. Oh. Now, y'all trash me every episode. Nikita better get trashed. Commence to dragging me. All right. So, so when I think about friendships and, like, um, signs that they're, like, feeding you, uh, friendships should have healthy give and takes just like every other relationship in our lives. So all the time, they're not going to feel 50-50 split. I mean, I do most of the heavy lifting in this friendship with Nikita. But over time, it feels like some (laughs) sense of balance, you know? (laughs) I'm not even going to dignify that. (laughs) I'm picking on you, you know. Um, I do the tall things, she does the short things. (laughs) You do the tall things, I do the small things. balance we balance each other um and so if you start to recognize that there's like a large imbalance and over time it's not like balancing out um and like this person is demanding of your time attention and support but doesn't seem to offer it back to you um then this might be like some indications that it's time to move on from this friendship so i wanted to talk about three things that eat away at friendships like how do you get there oh my gosh here i go on my list so the first is jealousy (laughs) so i think a lot of people might realize it's like yeah jealousy in a friendship uh can erode the friendship Uh, The thing about jealousy is that it's insidious. You don't just like, something doesn't happen. There's not an activating event and you like, I'm jealous of this bitch. (laughs) Usually jealousy builds, right? It's like these small moments of 
um, where you perceive your friend like getting some sort of like shine yeah. that you think is yours or that um, or that maybe you want, right? Okay. So so that's the thing about it. So then you start to maybe like trust this person less because you like how you getting all these accolades. And I ain't getting that. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> it might eat away at your respect for that person. Um, it might start to even eat away at like the admiration that you have for your friend. Okay. It's like, oh yes, that's my bitch. You might stop feeling that way towards yeah. that person. Um, and that's, I mean, we're human, right? We get jealous. We're going to feel these feelings. But if, if this is the primary way that you feel towards your friend, this might be a flag that maybe this isn't a friendship you should have. So the second thing that tends to eat away at friendships is undermining. So I'm going to talk about undermining a little bit. So undermining friends, um, I think, and when I describe it, folks will realize like, oh, yeah, I know an undermining ass bitch. Uh, (laughs) So so undermining friend is um, usually really great at being passive aggressive. So it's the backhanded compliments. It's the, like, they'll show up to your event, but we'll be like, mm. Mm. That's how you mm. gonna do? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. Um, y'all didn't have no sparkling water though. <laughs> the DJ was whacked though. Right, you right. know, like like that person. So they show you the support, but it always feels backhanded. They might be overly sarcastic with you. Um, and I'm describing this as like an external person. You might be the undermining ass bitch, and that's okay. You just need to, as long as you're able to recognize that. You know, are you the undermining friend in the friendship? Um, also undermining friends, um, enable your bad behaviors or your negative coping skills. I talked about this on previous episodes. That was one of my all time favorites. Yeah. Um, and so like an easy example for this, um, uh, (laughs) I guess content warning for fat shaming. Cause you know, um, the world we live in, but you know, if I don't, if I don't like lost my little five or 10 pounds and I'm back in my cute jeans, um, and my undermining ass friend is like, Ooh, girl, Auntie Anne's is having a sale <laughs> on them pretzels. Yeah. You know, it's like, I just got back in my cute jeans and yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you know, so. I have so, another example. So it's like, mm-hmm, if your friend, like, let's say they're like low on funds and they want to buy an expensive pair of shoes. <laughs> Nikita, leave my house immediately. <laughs> okay. I'm never doing another mental moment <laughs> on friendship because Nikita is an undermining ass friend. Okay. <laughs> oh God. Um. But but all in all, y'all understand what I'm saying. The undermining in friendships is something, um, something that they do that feels supportive, but in fact is hindering your well being or progress in some way. Okay. Right. So yes, those shoes uh actually furthered my well being because Ooh. I wore them a lot. And it's it's winter, eighteen months out of the year in Syracuse, so I got a lot of use out of those shoes. I should post a picture of the fifty pairs of shoes you have in your. Hallway. I don't have fifty pairs of shoes. Thirty five. I have forty three. <laughs> um, okay. And the last thing that tends to eat away at friendships. So we talked about jealousy. We talked about the undermining. The last one is just like uncertainty. You just don't know, like. It, is this my homie or is it not? Like, um, and so you, when you're really unclear about where you stand, do they do they love or support you? Um, you're constantly like on guard. It naturally like brings up these defenses because you're not sure. You like side eyeing this person the yeah. whole time. That takes a lot of energy. I um, mean, you can never be yourself. 
um, this kind of ambivalence like usually leads you to second guess, second guess yourself or second guess them. And you might find yourself trying to perform a different version of you or being fake, like being a different person to get approval from Mm -hmm. them so that you're sure about the relationship. Or another response to like this uncertainty in friendships is overly friending them, like Mm -hmm. friending them hard, like... I'm, I'm your day one. Like, I'm going to be at everything. I'm going to support you, girl. I'm going to wipe every tear, everything, right? To try to to try to try get them to, yeah. to, to make some kind of certain statements about the friendship. Mm-hmm. Friendships shouldn't be that exhaustive. They yeah. shouldn't drain you. And you shouldn't have to change who you are to be in relationship with anyone, especially not a friend. I mean, that uncertainty piece feels so um, key. Because I, mean, I think I've thought about that in terms of like romantic relationships. Like, mm-hmm. if you're unsure, then that, that is usually a sign in and of it's itself. But a, yeah. I've never thought about it in the terms of um, friendship. But yeah, that ambivalence. It's like, you, you should have like, you know, full-throated support. Exactly. Of a friend. If exactly. It's, if you if it's like waffling or like wavering, then that's yeah, yeah, that's absolutely telling. That's that's really helpful. If you have to ask, are we friends? Yeah. You're probably yeah, not. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So those are the three things: jealousy, undermining, and uncertainty that usually eat away at friendships. Um, and then I just wanted to give a quick um, like. So, okay, these things eat away, but how how do we know when we're at that tipping point of this friendship maybe yeah. isn't working anymore? Because obviously these things are going to come up in friendships. Like I said, we're human. Like these yeah. things happen, you know? I've undermined Nikita before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't say that I've done the same. She walked in here and she was mad that I had a messenger bag because messenger bags are quote unquote her thing. Yeah, it's just, I mean, people see what you look like on Instagram. I'm just saying, let us mere peasant folk have something money. Because, you know, every time you do something, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best, you're going to be like a 20. Leave something for me. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna do a side-by-side who wore it best no. with messenger bags. That's, that's undermining. <laughs> exactly. That's undermining. <laughs> okay, so how to assess that you might need to end this friendship, right? Um, you start to dread seeing or hearing from this person. Mm. Ooh, did I step on somebody's toes? This is so funny. As I think about this, I can't believe I didn't do this as a mental moment earlier because I talk about friendships so much with my clients. Like, this person don't really sound like your friend. (laughs) So you dread seeing or hearing from them. You feel they undermine you more than they cheer for you. That's the only thing saving this friendship is that Nikita roots for me more than she undermines me. (laughs) You no longer have things in common. So if there was like a Venn diagram of y'all interests in the world, there would be two circles. Exactly. There would be no overlap. Nothing in the middle. Um, I think this happens a lot with like childhood friends yeah, or like that was what I was yeah thinking. like you you grow and they don't in yeah. certain areas or like even job friends like y'all met at work and so y'all were like yeah. biffles at the time but yeah. then y'all don't work together no yeah. more and then you realize this person is actually an awful piece of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There is deception in the relationship, meaning they don't tell you the truth or the whole truth about things. Or there is self-deception in the relationship, meaning you lie to yourself about the friendship or have to change who you are in order to be in friendship with this person. Mm. I needed this whole thing about a few years ago. This is helpful. It's okay. You have it now. Mm -hmm. The more we know, you know. Right. Rainbow. Mm -hmm. Star. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, it's a star? It's a star with the shooting rainbow at, coming out of it, I think. Oh, so we were both right. Yeah. So why did you need to say that? Teamwork. Okay. Um, and so here are just some of my own thoughts about how to break up with a friend if you went through this assessment and were like, wow, maybe these uh, these three things have eroded my friendship to the yeah. point where this isn't a friendship it's anymore. It's not salvageable. Yeah. Because, okay, this is where I wanted to talk about um, uh, Dooley's work. So Dooley did this study about like the, a group of folks in a workplace. I'm going to talk about it in a second. <laughs> Who have like really good friends, ambivalent friendships, which are friendships that they define as like having all of these three problems, like the jealousy, the uncertainty and the undermining and people who reported having like no real deep friendships. Uh And so what the outcome of the study actually found was that folks with ambivalent friendships reported less work satisfaction and overall life satisfaction than people who reported not having any deep friendships at all. So what does that mean? It means that this study found that folks who have shitty friends are actually less happy than people who don't have friends at all. <laughs> this is how, how I know black mamas be right. Because I feel like I always encounter some black mamas say, if you got one good friend, then you doing all right. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. real. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an empirically supported fact. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I wanted to add an asterisk to this study that... Um, that Dooley did do this study with um, different precincts of police officers. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody out there, I I heard the audible, ah, damn. Like, oh. yeah, you know, I told y'all, um, psychological research is flawed. <laughs> and who the fuck would want to be friends with a cop in the first place? But, <laughs> right. but um, I think it does give us a good start into like this friendship study stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of politics around why she picked to do the do that study with cops. I'm sure it was like funded and all yeah. the other politics that go into doing research. Um, but I think a good takeaway from it is that um, shitty friendships are actually worse for you than than no, being no. without friendship yeah. in the first wow. place. So knowing that, you know, what I try to do here is remix the fuckery that is the mental health field. How do we end these friendships that aren't serving us anymore? I have a four-step... List? (laughs) It's not a list. It's (laughs) it's a four-pronged approach (laughs) to breaking up with a friend, okay? (laughs) The first is to clarify your boundaries. Okay, so clarify your boundaries. What I mean by that is be clear about what you needed and didn't get in that friendship and what felt like violations to you in the friendship. So I'll say it again. Be clear about what you needed and didn't get. I would suggest using I statements like I needed blank when you blank Mm -hmm. or I felt blank when you blank. And what felt like violations to you like that was just trash like that this happened. I think you have to be clear about those things. You know, Janicia said this to me at the Upstate Escape and it really resonated. You need to tell people this stuff, but they need to be part of your like exit speech yeah not that you stay in relationship to someone who has violated your boundaries and don't meet your needs right the second prong (laughs) is to define the relationship so like uh, like overall this is what the relationship has been to this point and like this is what's not working for me in the current configuration of this relationship and the third part is see where both of you stand after you've talked about um, your boundaries and how the relationship has been. 
you know, kind of do some like grounding, checking and stuff. Okay. Like you okay? Making sure that it don't turn into a love and hip hop scene. Right. You know, it's like ain't gonna be no splashing and no drinks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> ain't gonna be no shaking the table. Okay. <laughs> Just we trying to be adults here, <laughs> and we trying not to. We trying an approach other than ghosting or yeah. friends. Okay. Yeah. So just see where each of y'all are. If yeah. if it's too heated right now, just walk away. Yeah. Come back to it, right? And so the last thing I would say in breaking up with a friend is talk about the future. Like what do you what do you want this to look like from here on out? Yeah. So this friendship isn't working for either of us anymore. I think we both know that. So what do we want to do? Like do you want to still follow each other on Instagram? <laughs> And we just not like attend each other's yeah. functions. We see, we, you know, if we see each other out, we still be cordial. Yeah. If I see you and I, I don't speak, that means I don't I fuck, fuck with you. With you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, we can still be be cordial. Like, yeah. has there been a violation big enough where you don't ever want to share space with this person yeah. anymore? You know, talk about what the future looks like. So, should I run that down again? Yeah. My four prong approach. Okay. First, clarify boundaries. Be clear about what you needed and didn't get and what felt like violations. Define the relationship. See where each person is after you talk about the boundary breaking in the relationship. And lastly, talk about the future. Hmm. This is good. So, um, I hope this helps you break up some friendships. <laughs> wow. I was trying to find a positive way to frame this mental yeah. moment, but but you know what though? I think the positive thing about this is that I feel like in a society that like mainly privileges like romantic relationships, if mm-hmm. nothing else, I feel like this teaches us to cultivate a particular kind of care for our friendships. Yeah, yeah. Because so it I is a breakup. That. Yeah. I mean, friendship disintegration or whatever it's called, you know, like dissolving, like has hurt me a lot. Um, at times, like more so than yeah, romantic breakups. Absolutely. So and also like putting this together, I just kept thinking about like how like, we feel the pressure to, like, not throw each other away yeah. because we're in, like, these tiny communities yep, yep, as queer yep. folks of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is a way that you still recognize that this person, like, is a person who deserves love and all those things that they just can't get it from you. Yeah. So, that's it. This is so helpful. This is yeah. good. So, I hope that helps. Yeah. yeah. Ding, 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 ding. And now, our bi-weekly word from our wonderful womanist worker, wordsmith wizard, Nikita. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't going to do it because I thought you were going to do a Megan Thee Stallion ad-lib or something. Oh, my God, I need to work one in there. Speaking of which, did we see Megan Thee Stallion throwing that ass on that lesbian oh on stage? Oh my God! Oh my you God. promised that you wouldn't bring this up. Oh you promised. Oh my God! We're moving closer. <laughs> Somebody got to call the meeting for the get, lesbian agenda. Get that on the top of the agenda. I'll facilitate that meeting. <laughs> all righty. So, all right. So, the, wait. First, I should say what the word segment is. Oh, yeah. What is it? So, the word segment is where Nikita breaks down some, like, elusive social justice jargon that we might not really understand or where she connects something that's happening in the world to QPOC communities and, like, why we should care about them. So, 
Oh, she also gives us lots of history lessons in this segment as well. So, take it away, Keat the Freak. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I'm really excited to do to do this because um, I learned so much uh, when I was reading up on this. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the 20th anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. So, there was the March for Jobs... There's the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in 1963, and then 20 years later, there was the March on Washington for Jobs, Peace, and Freedom. So I want to talk about what happened at that 83 march. Okay. But, of course, you know, we love background um, historical context, so I just want to talk real briefly about what the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in 1963 was. The original one. Yeah, and so I keep saying the Jobs and Freedom because that part is really important, right? And nobody ever says it. Nobody ever they says that. They just say that. the March on Washington. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So, of course, uh, this march happens on August 28th in 1963. And um, estimates are between, like, 200,000 and 300,000 people attended that march. And so, of course, it's where uh, Martin Luther King gave his, you know, now famous speech, the I Have a Dream speech. And so this is the um, important part. Uh, so I think a lot of folks know this by now, but the main organizers of that march were the longtime and formidable labor and civil rights organizers, A. Philip Randolph, uh, who was a longtime trade union organizer, uh, did a lot of work with the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, and, of course, Bayard Rustin, who was openly gay. Uh, he was a socialist, and as a young person, he was a member of the Young Commun- Communist League, and um, had, towards like the end of his life, started to identify as like a radical pacifist. Um, just to speak to like the the testament of who uh, Bayard Rustin was and his like impact. So Stokely Carmichael, also known as Kwame Ture, who was uh, one of the key leaders in this SNCC, SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, had this to say about uh, Bayard Rustin. So he said, Bayard was one of the first that I had been in direct contact with of whom I could really say, that's what I want to be. He was like Superman, hooking socialism up with black movement, organizing black folks. So, you know, a lot of folks have written, talked about how because Bayard Rustin was, not just because he was gay, but also because he was a black gay socialist, right? His contributions to that march as being one of the key pivotal figures um, has been lost. And just a little bit about um, A. Philip Randolph. A. Philip uh, Randolph had actually proposed throwing four national marches on Washington um, in the past, so like in the 40s, to protest the um, the segregation of the armed forces. He threatened to have a march on Washington, and he was like, I can't remember, I think it was, um, I don't remember who was the president at the time, but A. Philip Randolph was like, if you don't desegregate the armed forces, then you're going to have all these Negroes marching on the, um, marching on, you know, the lawn at Washington. And so that was like a, a key role in getting the armed forces to be de- desegregated. So, you know. Just the threat of a march. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And that shows, um, shows a testament to him, but also how organized black folks were in that time period, right? Yeah. Folks, I think people um, might know this, but it was real controversial in 63 because there were like no real women speakers, much to the chagrin and, um, the um, anger of like, especially like black women organizers. So like Josephine Baker said a few words and Mahalia Jackson saying, I think Lena Horne saying, but there was no real uh, w- like woman presence on mm-hmm. the speakers list. Um, and I just wanted to get into 
um, some of the demands from that earlier uh, march on Washington for jobs and freedom. Um, so comprehensive and effective civil rights le legislation. Um, so access to all public accommodations, decent housing, adequate and integrated education, and the right to vote. It's important to say that this happens in 63 and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and then the Voting Rights of 1965 followed shortly mm -hmm. after um, mm -hmm. this march. Right to, that's a, on some level, it's a testament to its success. They were also calling from... Uh, calling for the desegregation of all school districts, a massive federal program to train and place all unemployed workers, black and white, on meaningful and dignified jobs at decent wages. Uh, they were also calling for a National Minimum Wage Act uh, that would give all Americans a decent standard of living. And at that time in 63, they were demanding $2 an hour. And, if, and in today's money, that's about like $16. Wow. Right? And so again... So so we're right on the money with the fight for 15. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, um, oh, so this, this one was kind of wild to me. So enforcement of the 14th Amendment and reducing congressional representation of states where citizens are disenfranchised. That's kind of wild to so me. So where, like, people can't vote. It's like they don't, uh, they lose out on, like, representation. The seats. And yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I can post a link to the 10 um, demands, but I don't think... Um, I don't feel like people usually talk about the demands enough. So we'll um, post that in the show notes. And I don't, there's no time to really get into it here, but over the next three years, in 66, A. Philip Randolph and Bayard Rustin, along with others, were then, they're like, one of the key things that they were trying to work on that unfortunately never got passed was um, the freedom budget. And so the freedom budget was designed to eliminate poverty, unemployment, all within a 10-year period. Wow. And so um, getting rid of unemployment, underemployment, substandard pay, inadequate um, social insurance, and welfare payments to those who could not or should not be employed, bad housing, you know, a deficient health service, better education and training, and more um, progressive, um, basically, taxation. So that was one of the, so that was a huge culmination. And so, like, you know, a lot of folks say that 1963 was a catalyst for Rustin and uh, Randolph to really create this uh, freedom budget. Um, there's a book, I haven't read it, I've skimmed it, but there's a book called The Freedom Budget for All that really goes into like the history and the um, the details and why it's important for us to still fulfill that role of our freedom budget. Of course. So that's just... A 10-year plan in poverty? Right, right. So that was just that's just a quick overview of the 1963 march, right? I never really knew about this 20th anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs, Peace, and Freedom. Okay, so obviously it's a 20-year um, anniversary. Uh, so this happened August 27th, 1983. On some level, it was about, I think some of the organizers actually resisted the idea that it was a mere commemoration of the earlier march. Mm. And so I actually found this article by the late, great uh, Black radical historian Manning Marable, um, I can. I found it's an academic article, but Manning Marable. Um, he's a very. It's, it was in the a Black Scholar, which is a really a sharp uh, Black journal. But the writers in it are usually like organizers, so they write very clearly. Uh -huh. And so Manning Marable has a piece called like a political assessment of the the march in 1983 because he mm -hmm. attended. And so he has a really good um, article laying out like what like what his thoughts on the march actually were and like the broader historical context that like encapsulates why people wanted to do the march. I say all that to say that it wasn't just a mere 
commemoration of that earlier march. But one of the points that Manning Marable makes in that article is that you at this time in the 80s, there's like the rise of the right. So you've got like Reaganism, mm-hmm. you've got like rank economic and racist reaction. And yeah. so in a lot of ways, the march was a way, um, organizers thought it was a way to stitch together like constituencies to actually create some kind of fight back against Reaganism and racism, mm, right? So okay. that's so it wasn't just like, oh, let's just commemorate the past, but it's like, what are the forces that we need to actually address the present conditions? Right. Yeah. Um, so he has three reasons about um, the, the historical context, but that's kind of the main one that I really wanted um, to focus on. And so um, just some of the demands, um, like the, one of the things that they were um, calling for was <laughs> passage of the Equal Rights Amendment, which was going to ban discrimination on the basis of sex. And again, that's the language of the day. We probably more um, understand it on the basis of gender. And one of the other things is that they were also calling, um, now this is on some level a commemorative piece, but they were like, we need an MLK like federal holiday. So that was one of the things that they were raising. Um, so how did all this come to be? So Joseph Lowry, who was a who was the head of the SCLC, so it's the Southern Christian Leadership Council, of course, of which MLK was a, a key uh, member, and of course, uh, Coretta Scott King, you know, MLK's wife. They had talked about doing a march in 1982, so they were already talking about this. And so there were all kinds of um, different groups and constituencies that came together for this particular, um, that they wanted to reach out to to make this march happen. So it was environmental groups, trade union groups, civil rights groups, and religious groups, and gay rights groups. And we're going to get to that um, just a little bit later. Okay. So, But put a, uh, <laughs> put a pin in your hat on that one. And so the new group of all these different organizations, uh, they were going to be called the New Coalition of Conscience, and it included well over... Over 715 different organizations. Wow. 715 organizations, right? So um, Walter Fontroy, who was the local coordinator in DC for the March on Washington in 1963, he was chosen to be the national executive director of the March in 83. Okay. So Walter Fontroy was a delegate, a congressional um, delegate um, for DC at the time. He was also a Baptist minister. Um, and so, um, just again, some of the, uh, people who were involved as national co-chairs, again, because of the period of, um, like just overt outright, like racism, they were like, we really want to have like a multiracial anti-racist, uh, like coalition. So they had groups, um, as from, so some of the national co-chairs were from groups like, of course, the NAACP now, which is a national organization of women, the American Indian Movement, the National Council of Churches. And it's also important to note that Fontroy was he was a pastor himself. Somebody else I want to highlight is Donna Brazil. And so folks might know her. Um, if we showed you a picture of her, you would know who that is. So she's always on CNN, like a very prominent uh, black political strategist and like a longtime member of the Democratic Party. And at one point, she was the interim chair of the De- Democratic National Committee. So she was a key organizer, key coordinator in this at 23 years old. So she was a student. And so she was essentially doing all of the coordinating of the day-to-day on-the-ground logistics for the, um, for the march. So here's the things that I think are interesting. So there's kind of like three big controversies in the lead up to this march in 83. Uh-huh. So Bayard Rustin is still alive at this time. And so uh, about in eight, 1982, along with another organizer, Bayard Rustin wrote a long memo about why he didn't think the march was in 83 was a really good idea. Oh wow! So he says that... Um, 
he was basically like, it's going to be too expensive. It's too much requires like too many resources. Because he said when they did the march in 63, it was like a million dollars. And he was like, I don't think that we have the the power and the numbers to actually be able to pull it off. And he was like, if we don't surpass that 250,000 uh, number of yeah. people who attended, he's like, I don't think that this is going to be a success. Uh-huh. And then the second reason, so, so that was the first reason. He was like, not enough financial resources. And then the second reason, because in this March in 83, you notice a slight change in the title. They say jobs, peace, peace. and freedom. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that they were talking about, and as I alluded to earlier, like one of the some of the groups that were involved were environmental groups and um, like anti-war groups. And so Bayard Rustin was like, it's too hard to get people on the same page politically around. Um, it's going to be too hard to get people to agree on the issue of peace. So I don't he's like, it just doesn't seem like a good use of um, time and energy. And and then the last argument that he made was it was some kind of really bizarre, kind of terrible, like respectable argument. And so I quote, he says, there is a serious question in our minds as to whether order can be maintained on a hot summer afternoon in a period when black youth are justifiably distraught and angry when their rate of unemployment is far greater than that for the average adult even in the Great Depression, when training programs have been curtailed and when the loss of welfare and other benefits the government once provided has caused many black youths to lose faith that there is a role for them in American society. And so, like, there's a later on in the Manning Maribel quote, he basically says, these young black people are basically going to, it's going to, you know, it's in the middle of summer, it's going to be hot as shit, and these young black people are going to be out of control. That Like, that was essentially his argument. So I, um, Manning Marable writes, I, I think, a really good, I'm, I'm not going to get into it here, but he writes a really good sort of comradely, like, rebuttal to, um, like, to Bayard Rustin's mm-hmm. um, kind of really, they seem, like, really outdated, just kind of, like, really not yeah. good arguments against having the march. And um, uh, Manning Marable in his piece makes an argument that in spite of that, like, the march still went on and he considered the march to be successful. Yeah. So, but I, that's kind of tough, right? To have Bayard Rustin say no, nah. right? Because he, right. yeah. Um, so getting so this is going to move us right along into the second controversy. So on some level, to like Bayard Rustin's point that like it's too hard to get people to agree on a unified platform around this. There was a controversy around this uh, platform plank around peace. And, and so, and it was especially around the question of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there were debates among uh, Jewish organizations, um, especially amongst the right wing Zionist ones, uh, about whether to officially endorse the march because of this call for peace. Some of some right wing Zionist organizations thought that this was an attack on Israel. <laughs> I mean, which kind of tells you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's telling, right? <laughs> so, uh, some. We groups, don't do peace over here. Right. <laughs> And so some groups like the American Jewish Congress and the New Jewish Agenda, they supported and endorsed the march, right? They were like, yes, this is great. But others like the Jewish war veterans, so at first they endorsed the march, but then they subsequently withdrew their endorsement. And even one paper called the Jewish Weekly, and along with other organizations like the N- like the Anti-Defamation League, smeared the event and said that it was dominated by like left-wing folks, right? And, um, in fact, um, Hyman Bookbinder, who was a spokesperson of the American Jewish Committee, said that the march was, quote, too pro-third world and anti-American. Right. (laughs) 
And so, and um, one of the things that Manning Maribel also says is that there was a senator, Senator James Aburezik, who was the founder of the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee. So he was invited to be a national convener and some of like the right-wing Jewish uh, Zionist organizations were like, no, that's too far. And Manning Maribel was like, "That like, this is tame. Like, this mm. guy... Um, but he wasn't part, part of like the Palestinian like liberation organization or anything like that. It's just like it, American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee. But mm-hmm. even then, people were like, you know, that's too much. Right. So that on some level, again, it proves um, Bayard Rustin's point. But my rebuttal to that would be just because it's difficult to create a unifying um, like platform plank doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is the, so that was the second controversy. And here's the third controversy. So there was a big kerfuffle around the lack of inclusion. Kerfuffle, Nikita? Kerfuffle. There was rightful, you know, anger at the fact that the organizers, um, Fauntroy and even Donna Brazil, did not want to include a gay or lesbian speaker, Right. So, again, because there were religious groups and other sort of, like, moderates that were part of the new coalition of conscience that were included, and, again, Fauntroy himself was um, anti-gay. And later on down the line, he supports all kind of, like, anti-gay stuff. Um, So he wanted to exclude um, gay and lesbian speakers. Um, And he said that the presence of homosexuals would be, quote, divisive and that allowing gay leaders to share a stage with blacks and other leaders of progressive causes might be interpreted as advocacy of a gay way of life. LGBT civil rights had as much legitimacy as penguin rights. That's what that, that's what he said. And this is the national director of the, you know, of the person who's like doing a lot of the work to coordinate this uh, march. And so, um, I mean, there's a lot of issues with that statement, but the the one that like sticks out to me the most is like you don't you fundamentally don't think that gay people also come in black. Yeah. Like that Exactly. And so so there were some key organizations that of course that were like, We're not gonna let this stand. So the National Black Coalition of Gays, which uh changed his name to National Black Coalition of Lesbian and Gays, <laughs> and then the National Black Gay and Lesbian Leadership Forum, along with the National Alliance of Black and White Men Together, which was a gay multiracial organization, um, and um, the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force taught, fought tooth and nail to get a gay or lesbian person to be able to speak. And so this is all that they had to do in order to make sure that they could get somebody to speak at the march. So just days before the march, like three days before the march, four men, three of whom were were black and the other was white, led a peaceful sit-in at Fauntroy's office. Because remember I said that Fauntroy was um, a a congressional delegate. Uh So they led a two and a half hour silent, uh, nonviolent protest at his office. And their names were uh, Mel Booker, who was the head of the National Gay Task Force. Um, He died of age-related illnesses in 87. Ray Melrose, who was the former president of the D.C. Coalition of Black Lesbians and Gay Men. Uh, Phil Panel and Washington, D.C. Commissioner and Gay Activist Gary Walker. So they sat in and they actually got arrested for this protest. And um, Charles Stewart, who was with the L.A. chapter of Black and White Men Together, you know, the gay multiracial organization. So he gave an interview about the sit-in. And even at that time during the um, interview, just like, again, just like a day or so before the march, 
Donna Brazil and Fontroy still seem like they would not budge on the issue of including a gay or lesbian. And this speaker. is this is just to get a gay or lesbian speaker, speaker. Yeah. right? Wow. And so, National Organization of Women, the Quakers, and other groups have threatened to pull out of the action if they didn't include a wow. gay or lesbian voice wow. in the uh, in the program. That's solidarity. That's solidarity, right? So, this is my favorite part right here, though. So, the night before, actually, technically, it's like the in the wee hours of the morning of the march, just after midnight. So, the executive director of the National Coalition of Black gays and lesbians um gil gilberto and another guy um named um gil um gerald along with the national gay and lesbian task force director jenny apuzo talked on the um phone for like three hours with coretta scott king and other organizers at midnight so um gil um gilberto was actually using language from mlk to coretta scott king and the other committee organizers about you know, all the stuff around justice, and it's like, this is why we need to include, like, a gay or lesbian speaker. Right. So it's like, at 3 a.m., the morning of... Before the march. That's when they decided to include a speaker. And it's also... But they didn't decide. They were pushed. They were pushed. Yeah. And it's also interesting, because I knew that Coretta Scott King had been a longtime supporter of LGBT rights, and I just did a quick Google uh, search. But it seems like this is, like, a really, a, like, the first key moment... Because she went on to do a lot of like very vocal and important yeah. support yeah. of queer folks, even when uh, their children were like anti-gay. Yeah. And and from just like my little bit of research, this seems to be like a really watershed and key moment in like setting her on that trajectory, right? So they finally agree at three in the morning and they even do a press conference later on um, that morning to be like, hey, we're going to finally have a gay or lesbian speaker. But here was one caveat. They were like... The speaker is only going to be able to read scripted remarks that the committee prepares, right? What? Yeah. But the speaker, who they chose, was like, I'm not fucking doing that. Bitch, do you know who the speaker was? Who was the speaker? Audrey Lord. No. <laughs> You're kidding me. I'm not. I'm not. I was like, how did I not know this? How did I not know this? I, I, I never knew this either. I did not know this. But let me just... So, this is so funny. But... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking, like... <laughs> of course you're going to make that phone call at, like, 3 in the morning. Because you like... Everybody's scrambling. They're like, it's last minute. Yeah. These queers aren't going to have anything together. And yeah. they're like, bet. Oh. Audrey. Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So, this is ridiculous. She like, say less. Right. So, there's, like, a month later... So they only give Audrey Lord three minutes to speak. So, but she was clear, like I'm not gonna read y'all's little raggedy. Yeah, words. yeah. So in this interview, in a publication, get the name. This publication is called Big Apple Dyke News. <laughs> so she does this interview. We gotta, we gotta bring that back. <laughs> she got she um she does this interview, and I just want to kind of quote two things. Uh, two answers to questions that the interviewer asked her. So the first one is, um, the interviewer asks her like. What did the action mean to you? Like, you know, and the black movement and the lesbian movement. And like, so what did it mean that you were the one who were able, who was like bringing these two movements together? And this is what Audre Lorde says. So, quote, I think it would be an error to romanticize uh, what it is because it was only a minute and a half. Again, remember, they only gave her about three minutes to speak. She goes on to say, but when I think of all the tremendous amount of work and energy that the Washington black, gay, and lesbian community did to make it happen, and all the work done by Gil, Gerald, and the National 
black coalition of gays and lesbians, I can't take credit for it. Mm-hmm. I just love the fact that she was like, it's not It's not just because I'm so great. Right. And, and right. earlier in the interview, she's like, people also, one of the reasons is not just because it was like, you know, she's a lesbian and a socialist, but she was like, you know, people said I don't have no credentials. Right, right. But I just love the fact that she was like, look at the work that made it possible for me to be here. Which is also a reason why she was perfect exactly. to be that person, exactly. right? Exactly. And I just kind of want to close out by, um, she's such a bad bitch. Uh, because there's another, so the last, one of the questions that the interviewer asks her is like, um, how was Audre Lord? how was she received and how were her remarks received? And here's a quote. It's so, it's, I just love it. She says, quote, when I first spoke, it said that I represented the National Black Coalition of Gays and Lesbians. Some young people standing on the front row booed me. But when they quiet, but they quieted down when I got into my speech, when I described the truth of our situation. What can people do when you tell the truth but listen? That's bars, okay? Yeah. Mixtape dropping. <laughs> it's like my one of my favorite quotes from Howard Zinn is like the one of the most revolutionary acts one can engage in is to tell the truth, and that's she's like people didn't have a choice. I was telling the yeah, truth. You can't say nothing. It's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I just want to, now I'm going to officially close up, but I really want to just give a special shout out and thanks to uh, Martina who came to the, um, who came to our Upstate Escape because the reason why I got into this whole rabbit hole is because uh, Martina and uh, Tawana were telling me about the National uh, Black uh, Gay and Lesbian Leadership Forum and I had never heard of that. Mm -hmm. So I really, I originally wanted to talk about them but it was hard to find any information on them. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I saw was this um, old article from like longtime black gay rights activist Keith Boykin and so he mentioned this 83 March and how the Leadership Forum and other black gay organizations really played an instrumental role in getting like Audre Lorde on that stage in 1983 and then I just found all this stuff about this uh, march in the night in the like the 1983 that I just didn't know anything about and it just makes me think so much about there's a really wonderful and sharp academic on Twitter Tamara Knopper she always makes the point that like when it comes to like radical uh, history or social movement history a lot of us think about the 60s and the 70s but we really don't actually have a good sense about the work that was happening in like the 80s and the 90s and I was just like this is it wow I'm thinking about, like, so much right now. But first, that the way that I am just, like, shocked. I'm not shocked, but, like, they really try to scrub us from history. Yeah. Like, and when I say, when I'm saying us, I mean black queer folks. It's like, um, you hear all of these tellings about, like, black liberation movements. And you never hear about the queer people who were there, who made it possible, who pushed, who agitated, who organized. Um, so that's blowing my mind right now. It's like, as much as I've like read and loved and celebrated Audre Lorde that I never knew that this was also a part of her legacy. And also about these organizations, the national gay and black gay and lesbian. Like, I want to know about those organizations. Are they still around? Where can I process my membership? You know, it's like all of that. And also I'm just thinking, Nikita, what you just did was you gave a gay history of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Mm-hmm. How does it feel? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, because I was like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And then, like, I just, it was, like, late last night. And I was just, like, you know, in my wormhole. And I was just, like, I didn't know anything about, like, I didn't even know that there was, like, a big celebration on March and, like, 
83. Yeah, me either. I, I'm also right now thinking real, just real quick, because, you know, this was a phenomenal segment. But I'm just thinking about, like, the power of storytelling mm-hmm. um, for, like, history purposes, but also to make things seem possible. Yeah. You know, like, I think a lot of times folks leave organizing spaces because of the queer phobia, the transphobia. Yeah. But to know that, like, we've always been there and yeah. we've always been part of these movements because, like, it's just like, it's just like, India Moore being Queer Pock of the Week this week is like our existence relies on all of these systems of oppression being dismantled. It's like we don't have the luxury of like ignoring the queer phobia in the March on Washington. Like we can't do that as, as folks of color. Right. Um, yeah. This was excellent, Nikita. All I keep thinking is like, Nikita, somebody needs to hire you to be a consultant when the movie of this comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, now we're going to move it on along into the topic segment. And the topic is where we just talk about everything that doesn't fit into the other segment. (laughs) Uh, And this episode, we are going to talk the Upstate Escape. Yeah. The Queer Walk of State Escape, which was the meetup that we held August 30th through September 1st. The first ever in-person Queer Walk meetup. Yes. You saying first ever, like we're going to do it again. Of course we are. We have you to. think we're going to do it again? Yeah. I think we're going to do it again. Ah! <laughs> okay. Okay. So where do you want to start, Nikita? First of all, the planning. I am proud of us. Yeah. I'm very proud of us. You know what's funny is, like, when we planned it, I didn't think that we were doing a lot that weekend. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, we're going to have, like, a cute little denim party. Then we're going to go to Green Lakes. You know, we'll have, like, uh, a mixer. And then, you know, we'll go out that night. Yeah. And then, um, uh, we'll just, like, do a brunch. And then we'll go to to the the fair. fair. Yeah. That is a lot in three days. It didn't seem like it when we were planning it. (laughs) It didn't seem like a lot, but it was. Yeah. I feel like I got hit by, um, uh, what do you call that? A Mack truck? Yeah. I feel like I got (laughs) bulldozed down. (laughs) You also don't party. Like, you don't go out. So I would never, ever do that much in in one weekend. By yourself. Usually, yeah. Yeah. But it was so great, though. Um, I was really, like, opposed to the idea of a denim party, but when I saw the picture... I was like, that was cute. That was a good idea, money. This is what I mean, that she rebels against the rebels. dress code of, oh. <laughs> of this friendship. Because I was thinking, I was like, I love... A theme. I love a theme. And I also love when, like, everybody is dressed alike, but not really. Yeah. So, yeah. like, not cookie cutter, but it's yeah. like, right. There's, like, a pattern. A right, theme. right. Like, Destiny's Child. Oh, you know? Everybody go that far. <laughs> Everybody's dressed alike, but different. Or like TLC, dressed alike, but different. Okay. So I was like, "Eh, I don't want to do a white party. Yeah. I think, you know, black and brown people look really cute in color, but I didn't want to do like a yellow party just in case. You don't know. You don't know what people have access to. And so that's why I was thinking denim is accessible. Yes. Most folks have it in their closet already. And look how cute everybody looked in their denim. That was really good. That was a lot of fun. I appreciated the fact that it was, I feel like there was a lot of gabies yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Or that weekend. Um, so I really, really appreciated that. And it's mm-hmm. just like, like the little DC click. Yeah. Shout out to the DC Shout crew. Shout out to the DC crew. They were just so cute. Y'all can't follow directions for nothing, but y'all, <laughs> I blame y'all, Taylor. Right. <laughs> 
But they were just like so cute and so sweet. And yeah. then they got to meet some of the gabies from here. And that here moment, too's. that moment at the Cupac mixer where like the DC uh, gabies met the Syracuse gabies. Yeah. Like if nothing else, the whole weekend was worth it just for that moment. Right. Because it's like, you That's know. That's exactly what these spaces are intended exactly. for. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? Just to remind us that we, even though we might, like, live in these, like, shallow pools of, like, there's not many of us yeah. to remind us that we're numerous and beautiful and wondrous. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, um, I just, I mean, I mentioned uh, Martina and Tawana, but it was, I just loved, loved, loved talking with them. Because it's just, like, I mean, that's, like, the, that's also the beauty and the importance of having, like, um, you know, these intergenerational kinds yeah. of uh, spaces is because, like, I would not have done anything on that word if they, you know, if they had not mentioned just, I mean, it was just so funny because they were just, and not in any kind of, like, condescending way, but they were just like, oh, yeah, there was this thing that happened and this and this and yeah, this. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know any of these people and I don't know any of these organizations yeah. and I can't wait to, yeah. like, dive in mm-hmm. to, like, learn more um, about these things, about these groups, and about these people. Yeah. Because right? it's like, and that's like one of the main ways that we get to keep all of this history alive is through like talking to folks who are in different generations than we exactly. are. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was sort of going to try to go in order of the weekend. So like at the at the denim party, it was literally like a, a welcome party. Yeah. It felt like um, that that vibe was great. It was cute. The playlist was banging, if I must say so myself. It was all right. <laughs> and it was interesting just to see folks, like, mingle. Yeah. Like, actually mingle. Like, meet each other. Maybe yeah. we've heard of each other. I think something that was surprising to me was even though folks came from out of town, it's just like, oh, wow, we're, like, one degree separated. Like, yeah. I know this yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, That was beautiful. And, um, you know, Martina and Tawana were there, too. And just, yeah, like... We created an intergenerational space. Yeah. And then the next morning when we were um, like waiting on folks to go to Green Lake State yeah. Park. Oh, my God. They were telling us about all these lesbian clubs yeah. that used to and be like around. D.C., yeah. New York, and Jersey. Yeah. Because we had like made this passing comment about Trex, which is an awful place here. Yeah. But that there used to be a popping lesbian club called Trex. In D.C. DC and yeah. New York? Yeah. Was one? Yeah. And so, I'm just, like, learning all of that. It's just, like, they are walking, like, lesbian encyclopedias. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Learning about the, I don't know if it was, like, an organization that they had, too, where they would give grants to, like, black lesbians who were doing something uh-huh. and, like, help them start up. Like, that was incredible. Yeah. I think they were telling me about that at the, at the denim party. Yeah, and then getting to go to Green Lakes with everybody. So, y'all, Green Lakes is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen with my own eyes. Like, it is just gorgeous out there. The water is, like, crystal clear, right? Crystal clear. But because it's so deep and the way the light hits it, it looks green. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. And there's a beach out there. You know, uh, I, that's a that's a generous term <laughs> for what that is. But so I think the next time we do this, we need to give folks a heads up that like it is still Syracuse. Everybody um, was bundled up except me and like a few other folks who are used to the Syracuse yeah. weather. Like Odette was pretty, yeah, summery. Um, we were warm. We had on bathing suits. Yeah. <laughs> We were ready for anything. I brought my sandals just in case I dipped my foot in. But um, Janice was wrapped in a blanket. <laughs> she was being so ridiculous. 
Yeah, so um, maybe it wasn't summer weather for everybody. Right. Um, it's Syracuse summer. So, yeah, it was fun. We um, ended up walking around. Well, there was a group of us who stayed on the beach. And there was a group of us who walked around yeah. the lake. Which is a pretty good walk. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty big lake. <laughs> it was just so fun. Oh, my gosh. When that, with that encounter y'all had with that white man? Oh, my gosh. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I don't mean to. Okay, so there there are parts of Green Lakes that are, like, ancient life form, right? So yeah. there's this, um, it looks like a lookout. Is that what it's called? It's, like, where the yeah. rocks go out. But it's actually a reef. And it's called Dead Man's Reef, right? And there's signs all around that's like, this is some of the oldest life form on the planet. Please do not walk on this. We're trying to preserve the reef. Stay off the reef, right? Right behind two of those signs is a whole white family chilling on the reef. Fishing, right? So the child was fishing. The mama was like sunbathing. And the father was just standing there in all his, um, his white entitlement. And... And so we walk up and we're taking pictures. We're like, oh my gosh, this is breathtaking. Because for a lot of, I, I think maybe it was like me, Howie, and no, Odette had never been out there. So it was just like me and Howie who had seen this yeah. before, right? So everybody else was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so to put some context, um, so the the DC uh, crew was with us and Taylor had been playing music the whole way, right? Yeah. But it just so happened that when we get to this point, Hot Girl Summer comes on. And this is, like, this is probably, like, the raunchiest song that played the whole walk around. Because, again, we're walking around a lake. So, we listen. You know, it's very Solange vibe or whatever, right? But Hot Girl Summer's playing. I will remind you that this whole family is chilling on Dead Man's Reef. Dead Man's (laughs) Reef. And so, we're taking pictures and the song is playing, and the dad looks at us and is like, um, would you mind turning that down? And before he could finish, because I was, okay, this is, I should have said this at the beginning. I was really on edge the whole weekend that Syracuse White's uh, TM were going to show their asses, yeah. right? Because the last time we had folks come up here, yeah. the Syracuse White's showed their yeah. ass. So... I was nervous the whole time. So I was like already on guard to protect my friends, yeah. right? And so he's like, excuse me, can you turn? I'm like, no, we're, we're not turning it down. We are not like editing our existence in any way, mm-hmm. right? First of all, because I'm like, it's 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 music. Your, your child has heard worse at school, mm-hmm. right? And so he's like, she's 12 years old. <laughs> and when he said that, I just like couldn't hold in my laughter because... In my head, all I'm thinking is, you don't give a fuck about her survival, her right. life. Because you standing on dead man's reef. <laughs> you don't care. You don't care about her surviving. <laughs> you don't care about her safety. You got her fishing on dead man's reef. Um, And so it was just like an absurd moment. And I laughed about it like that whole weekend. And what did he say? <laughs> He's yeah. like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's funny. Keep laughing. <laughs> I don't know why that tickles me. <laughs> and it was just so funny because, like, you think that uh, that Megan Thee Stallion saying, I'm going to ride that dick or whatever she say, is more dangerous to your 12-year-old child. And fishing on a dead man's <laughs> Come on, sir. Get out of here. Yeah. So it was funny. Um, and, you know, for most of the weekend, we didn't have no incidents no, or hiccups yeah, with Syracuse Whites. Um, so that was funny. Yeah. Um, and it was actually more about us just being there in the first yeah. place. It wasn't really about the music, you know, but, um, 
That was funny. That that tickled me. Tickled me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you standing on Dead Man's Reef talking about safety and like being act, showing some concern, girl. <laughs> um, and then we finished our walk around. Yeah. We took a cute picture when we got back to the yeah. beach. You know what I also didn't realize when we went to Green Lakes that eleven is actually kind of early. Yeah. Cause you to gotta, be at a place to, at 11. Yeah. Because you got to get up at like 9. nine. And you got to get yeah. everybody to meet up by yeah, like yeah, 10. Yeah. 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 That was kind of early. Well, my I think my favorite moment of the whole weekend was the brunch. So, Money really outdid herself on the cooking. I thought, everybody thought that she was ridiculous for cooking it all by herself. But she really showed up and showed out on that food. It was you to know, die for. It was good. Fucking vegan uh, cheese grits? I mean, th- that sounds disgusting, doesn't it? You, you're it wrong. Wasn't. You're wrong. You was, was about so to good. Say. It's, I'm just saying, like, if somebody would be like, oh, you want these vegan cheese grits? I'd be like, nah. But oh, you they, put your they all it. were making fun of me. Jay was like, why you got all this vegan cheese in your refrigerator? It was good, though. You really outdid yourself. Yeah. I and know. It was good. So I shouldn't have shaded you for that. But And um, then, no, the star of the brunch. Everybody got to have my famous pancakes. Yeah. So money mm-hmm. can't cook for shit except for breakfast. Oh, excuse me, and salads. Oh, and turkey legs. Shut <laughs> up, Nikita. Why couldn't you just leave it? Why couldn't you just celebrate me? <laughs> because I just wanted to tell all the facts. But anyway. I, this is why I need y'all to use the hashtag QueerWalkPod and tell everybody how good my breakfast actually it was. It really was good. Because Nikita's slander. And, um... Brunch was supposed to be from like eleven to one, and we just like kikied and laughed until like, like four three o'clock. Or four. Yeah, that that was like my favorite because it was like it was so funny because it's like we've only hung out with these people um, this weekend. Yeah, for the weekend, yeah. but it really felt like some kind of like um, reuniting and just yeah. like kicking it with old friends. Yeah. It, it was just such a treat. I laughed so hard because I know y'all could tell from listening to the podcast, but we we like we joke on each other. Yeah. We roast each other. And when I came downstairs from making the breakfast, I had no sense of time because I had just been in the kitchen cooking all morning. And I was like, good morning, everybody. And Nicole was like, good morning. <laughs> Girl, it's two in the afternoon. I was like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> you know, so it's like even the ways that we are as friends, yeah. like it started happening over the weekend. Yeah. And I think that's what I I didn't recognize what would happen, but that it did is that we became like a crew so quick. Yeah. Yeah. That was really great. It was, was just fun. so much fun. Um, yeah. We got to see some hogs racing at oh the state fair. Oh, my God. That was <laughs> You know what ridiculous. I like? I like how when we all walk. So, first of all, we survived that area of the fair. Oh, the Make America Great Again Trump shit. Oh, my gosh. Um, And we were able to, you know, just be in our group as we walked past that and make fun of it. Um, But, <laughs> but how quickly we all went from... Hog racing. Well, that, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Two. Did you see the pigs? <laughs> I walked up. I was like, well, let me just go and see what the fuck this is all about. It was so funny. I never seen. Oh, the last race was my favorite race. It was the, all the fastest pigs. Yeah. I have never seen little legs move that fast. They were moving. <laughs> Them pigs were quick. I can't believe we're talking I can't about believe, all yeah. racing. Well, we saw it live and in the flesh. We never thought the day would come at Queer Walk. We'll be talking about all yeah, racing. Well, yippee kayo kaye. The yeehaw agenda yeah. has really swept through. 
So it was just a fantastic time. It was, I don't know, it was so much fun. Um, we got to prepare for the revolution. We did some archery. <laughs> I can't wait to post those pictures. I took so many pictures of y'all. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how y'all saw that sign because it was so small. I think it was Janicia and she <laughs> like beelined it to the archery. Yeah, it was like archery this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What was it like, Nikita? Like to do the archery? Yeah. Um, it was fun. Well, it was bad at first because I didn't know. I couldn't even get the arrow to leave the bow at first. But then I was like, okay. <laughs> I heard the person keep telling you, He's just like, no, let it go. Just let it go. Nope. Not like that. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Ma'am. Ma'am. I was like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then I got it. He was like, you're not throwing it. You're just letting it go. Whatever. The point is, we really have to get our shit together because the revolution what I saw out there, I don't think our side is going to be prepared. <laughs> Well, for the revolution or apparently the zombie apocalypse either. Oh, well, yeah. We're really bad at directions. Yeah. I was I would say queers as a whole. Yeah. We got to we got to get it together. We're going to do some, start maybe that we need to do some kind of boot camp next time. <laughs> maybe we'll set up like a scavenger hunt at oh, the fair then we'll, and then we'll, we won't see each other for another 3 months. <laughs> um yeah that that was fun the yeah. archery yeah i didn't get a chance to shoot a bow but it was amazing to like watch y'all and every fun. everybody turned back into little kids yeah like, oh my God. yeah so i took some really great pictures of that the you archery it, uh, it was just oh my god it was just so good it was so refreshing i mean i felt like physically tired but i felt um even after doing all that, yeah, yeah. Even after doing all that socializing that I wouldn't normally do, I was like, this, like, I don't feel like, oh my god, I never want to see people again. I was like, that was such a good group. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, I think part of like why I didn't get much sleep that weekend was kind of like you know like Kwanzaa Eve jitters, if you will. It's like you were looking forward to yeah, the next yeah, day yeah, so much yeah. that you can't sleep. Yeah. Oh my goodness, we also saw the roots at the fair. Yeah, they put on a hell of a fucking show. In the rain. And that was impressive. That was amazing. I knew it was going to be a good show, but holy shit, that was, wow. Top-notch shit right there. Yeah. So we didn't get to see Sheila E because we were still kikiing yeah. at brunch. Um, But Martina and Tawana did. Yeah, the auntie yeah, They were, like, up front. Yeah. Hot yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, but we caught the roots, and they were amazing. Yeah. It was great. Like, what, what? Yeah, that so, was good. next year. So we're going to do it again next year, I think. I think we have to, right? Yeah. Like, it was really good. I, it actually um, surpassed my expectations sure. yeah, of yeah, what yeah, the yeah. weekend was going to be. Sure, sure, sure. Same. Yeah. So, next year, you don't want to miss it. You want to get your... RSVPs in. Yep. Better get your travel and lodging in order. Absolutely. Because it's just going to be better second yeah. time around. Yeah. The second time around. Is that a song? Nope. Oh, well. We were going, we were, everything was going so nice. <laughs> um, and I also feel like we can't talk about the weekend without talking about like our amazing homies yeah. who also made it possible. Yeah. I mean, how many episodes? We got to keep a tally of how many episodes we, we shot out Sequoia. Sequoia yeah. Because like. She really came through. I mean, she's just phenomenal y'all yeah. like i don't she helped us at the registration desk mm-hmm. at the denim party yeah and then all weekend was like birthing babies yeah. and <laughs> bringing babies into the world so so sequoia and uh sequoia's um homegirl and good friend alice i mean alice, alice. 
Whew. Alice. If it wasn't if it wasn't for Alice, y'all wouldn't like, have no food. Y'all wouldn't have had no food. <laughs> so it would have been a trisket and water kind of. <laughs> so um, shout out to Alice and also shout out to Romo and Christian. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, they really came through with the brunch. The yeah. brunch help. Yeah, that so, was thanks so much, you Christian know, and Romo. We talk so much about community, but it's like again, we're not lying when we say we couldn't do any of this stuff. You yeah. know, with just us two. These are the, like, those are our friends, you know. Yeah. So yeah, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have been able to do this, because I don't, I don't think beforehand, like I really thought about like how many roles me and you would have to play through the yeah. whole weekend, and um, yeah, it really came in handy to have friends who not only love us but also are really um, like encouraging of the community yeah. and work that we're trying to do. So I guess that means uh, Upstate Escape 2020, 2020 is a go. Okay. Okay. And now our final segment of the show, which is actually my personal favorite. Curved, 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 curved. Chronicles. So you're just going to change up the... Okay. What was it? That's how, that's how we've been doing it. No, I would say Curved Chronicles, and then you would do that echo thing. But it's okay. I, I jumped the gun. Got ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, but Curved Chronicles is where we talk about the dating woes and wins of our lives or the dating woes and wins of your life. Because you can submit your own Curved Chronicle to us or a dating question that you might have, a sex relationship question that you might have to us at QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Or you can just hit us in the DM if, if it's not that long. So, Nikita, do you have any Curved Chronicles? I'm trying to think about this. Um, I don't have any. No, no curved chronicles over here. Do you have some? Um, this is this is not my curved chronicle, but I, I noticed it. It's kind of like as an aside okay. at the denim party when Jaffe showed up. Everybody was like, "Damn, Nikita's girlfriend is cute." Uh, yeah, I was like, so she just started um, teaching, so she's wearing like her adult clothes. So I saw her by the window, and I was in, like, mid-conversation with somebody. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then it, yeah. like, registered to you that that was your yeah. boo. She showed up and showed up. With she, yeah, she looked super cute. Looked yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Jaffe can't be teaching in that. She is. <laughs> I already need extra credit. Right. I about to say, help <laughs> me with my homework, teach. Well, I'm sorry, when are your office hours? Um, yeah, but that was cute. Yeah. That was a cute moment. And you were wearing a romper. Oh, nah, I was. Nikita wore a romper. I, I forgot about a that. A romp him, if you will. It was a, it was a romper. I was in it. Yeah. Uh, a, it was like a turquoise or teal flamingo romper. I, I won't get into romper gate. Oh my God. Please don't get into it. Maybe that should be a part of your curved chronicle. It, I was, I was so curved by my friend who refused to wear matching outfits with me. I because we're not so, seven. I thought it would have been so cute. We're not seven. We don't need to wear the same We're outfits. queer walk, you know, like no. it, it's our event that we're hosting. We dress alike. No. It would have been cute. That's ridiculous. I look cute in rompers. It's childish. You look cute in rompers. It's childish. I would have styled it differently. No. You styled it like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, no. I didn't have a matching romper with yes. my best friend. I, yes. I mean, a, a friend because who knows yeah. if you can even call her best. Yeah. But 
I was I was actually looking the best in that fucking romper. I tell you that it was cute. You yeah. you really were cute. You, you zhuzhed up that denim for me. That was nice. Um, moments before the party, I should say. I don't. Um, I don't actually go by Western time constructs, so that doesn't mean anything. She to bought me that jacket. Uh, nope, the, nope, nope. I, I, I asked. See, you don't I be giving to, the full context. I went to pick up Queen and Jay at three. Nikita bought me that jacket at like noon. She asked, like, like, hey, no. Can you, uh, can you distress this denim for me? No. <laughs> like, what? You're laughing because you know, I was like, hey, I got this jacket and you offered. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I, didn't, I was You were like, like, I understand the timing. That's not true. I'm, I'm trying to look cute You tonight. offer. You Could offer. You please do you're, my jacket. You're the one who acts like a fuckboy, not me. <laughs> I was like, money, I understand that your time is valuable. Are you sure you want to do this? And you're like, yeah, I want to offer. I was like, sure, no problem. Yeah. Because I knew uh, I have skills, and it only took me like 20 minutes yeah, to distress the jacket. Exactly. So. It would have looked a lot better if I would have had time to like run it through one wash cycle. Okay. But it looked cute. I think I have a curved chronicle. Um, it wasn't really a curved chronicle though because nothing happened. But uh, it stood out to me, and it was peculiar because it's a pattern that happens. Um, so last night I went to the Cardi B concert here in Syracuse at the amphitheater. And as I was leaving out, so I should say that I was not a fan of my outfit. I didn't take no pictures because I didn't think I looked cute. Um, But as I was leaving out, there was this girl who was really, really fine. Like, really fine. Um, She looked at me and she was like, you look really good. In that tone? Yeah. And I was like, thank you. And she was like, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Why were y'all so formal? I don't know. And then, like, we continued to, like, look at each other and walk out towards the parking lot. And then, of course, I turned to Christian, who I was with, my homie, Christian. And she gave me a thumbs up. (laughs) Who gave you a thumbs up? Christian. Because she's a nerd. Like, I'm a nerd. Wow. (laughs) She gave me a thumbs up. Because, I mean, I had made it clear that, like, I wasn't feeling my outfit. It, It was just one of those nights. I didn't think I looked cute. Um, I'm and then, sure, I know, oh my god, this is no, ridiculous. This. I'm sure, I'm sure you were like the baddest bitch in the amphitheater. Mm-hmm. That's like no question. No, but uh, you know the fact that this uh, you know young lady saw fit to compliment me in such a way, and all y'all said was thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Wow, you both curved yourselves. Well, that's the thing. This was like this is a pattern because how do you move it along? Yeah. yeah. So I recently reinstalled Tinder to torture myself, um, and there's like two other black girls on there, <laughs> and uh, we matched with each other. Of course, they probably matched with each other as well. There's only three of us on there. And, Hashtag thruple. <laughs> and it, it's very formal like that. Like oh. I really adore your vest in picture three. I really <laughs> appreciate your accoutrements in that. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Why, you're very welcome, ma'am. Like, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> why? Like, wow. Like, is that... And I'm I'm guilty of it myself. Like, my only line is like, hey, how you doing? Like, that's yeah. it. It's hard to move from that. <laughs> it's, it's hard to like, right? And so... And so, okay, I took I took a leap on Tinder, and with one of the matches, I was like, "So, did you only swipe me to compliment me on my outfit in picture three, or something else?" 
Uh-huh. And she was like, she replied, oh, no, like, I think you're a baddie or like mm. something. Not that uh-huh. like yeah, that's my yeah, language, yeah. you know, but something like that. And I was like, oh, you know, I just had to clarify. So I was thinking, oh, like maybe maybe I have to like be the assertive one or like make the. Yeah. Because how do you, you got to move from the compliment to the. You have to move from the compliment to yeah. flirting. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you look really good. It's like not in and of itself flirty. The tone, like if the someone's tone. like, mm, "You look really good." No, I just think that's uh, not like a that's not said in a platonic way. No, but there's just something about um, girl friendships. No, as, it's no. Come on, you're not gonna play this game because oh, girl, you look good. That's different than you look good. I don't know. Yeah, it is. I think that I is think, true. I think. Uh, in a like heterotypical world, sure, but when you add the layer of queerness, I think we complement each other differently. You really gonna tell me that queer folks don't complement each other differently than straight? I still folks? think that there's a difference between like a hey girl, hey you look cute, and like a you know hey what's up. It's a difference. I think that's the truth. I think the way the way that my queer friends have complimented me, folks who aren't queer. Will look at us, but like, I'm not. That's not. I'm not talking about them, though. Of course, they they don't get the in group, whatever. Sure, that's that's besides the point. That's the obvious. I still think, like, uh, again, like even my com- even my comments on Instagram from y'all from us though. That's what I'm saying. Like somebody who's flirting with you is not gonna be like, yeah, bitch, fuck it up. That's not flirting, <laughs> and you know this. And I don't know why you're trying to play this game. I'm, I'm not playing any game, Nikita. I think that pe- some people do flirt like that, Uh-oh. like with all the fire emojis and the heart eyes, and like, um, you wearing that dress, girl. Like some people do no. flirt like that. I guess I don't know them. I don't know. I'm not saying that they don't <laughs> exist. I don't know. Okay. So the next time somebody says you look really good to me I in a particular like, kind of tone, so you want this cookie <laughs> in no. a particular kind of tone. Yes. Yes. And what happens, what I noticed in these interactions, especially last night, cause God damn, I wish I would have got her number. Um, is that I overcorrected. I think I got a lot of feedback about like I'm too assertive uh-huh. or even or even I've been, I guess what you would call like gaslit where people are obviously flirting with me yeah. and then I'll be like, so what's good? And they'll be like, I don't know what you was talking about. Right. Like, I, was, <laughs> I was just tying my shoe. Right. <laughs> like, no, we were flirting. Okay. And so I think I've like overcorrected from that to just like assuming that everything is not flirty. And I, I see. I okay. That that context. Okay. That that matters. Oh, I shut see. up, Nikita. You know that. You know that about me. I, it's not, you see how she be acting, y'all? Like I'm not, she like I'm not doing anything. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> context was important. <laughs> Stop mocking me. <laughs> the you. overcorrection of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, pretty girl from the amphitheater. Okay. You, out there why do you keep doing this? <laughs> First it was Starbar. Now you've got to stop this. Yeah. And I think I also, uh, I don't know. I feel like I just also need to recognize like ways that... Um, Queer women flirt is like different than the um, the social narrative we have around flirting, uh-huh. which is you know like 
like street harassment, essentially. Right. <laughs> like, like if, if if it's not yeah. that, then it's not for. Hey, yo, ma. Yeah, yeah. If they're not Tevin Campbelling, can we? Oh, I was about to say Tevin Campbelling because <laughs> the first song I thought of is <laughs> singing it. No, nope. not too high, okay. baby. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. I think we're done here. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and wrap this up. All right, y'all. So. <laughs> Don't Can, forget. No, no, I want people to use the hashtag QueerWOC and please tell me if I'm wrong. I actually do feel like there is a subtle difference. Even though it's subtle, there is a difference in even with queer women in terms of platonic, hey girl, you look good, and a romantic, like flirty, like, hey, you look good. What's the difference and how do you tell yes, the difference? How do you tell? Yes. Because. Mm. I think it's a slip. It's like a. It's very gray. And let's. We. I feel like we need tips on how to like. How do you? I don't know how to move something along, especially how to move it from a compliment to flirting, especially like in person too, because it's like the moment is fleeting. Like you get. You have to act then yeah. in the moment. You have to be like fast on your feet. Yeah. Can't really bring in time zones in uh, in public. Nikita, I will backhand you. <laughs> um. Because I, I was thinking, like, I didn't even flip the compliment. Like, yeah. you too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was none of that. Because I was just so in my own head about, mm, this outfit is not cute. <laughs> what a nerd. So. Yes. Yeah, so please use the hashtag QueerWOC or hashtag QueerWalkPod and let me know the difference between. Please. Like, hyping up a friend yeah. and flirting. Yeah. All right, so don't forget to hit us up, follow us on all the things at Queer Walk Pod. Share this episode if you loved it. Tell a friend, put a homie on to Queer Walk the podcast. That's right. So this has been Money, the fastest fingers at the fair. This has been Nikita. Excuse me, tired ass Nikita. (laughs) And you just listened to Queer Walk the podcast.